0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this week's episode. First of all, sorry that it is on a Wednesday. Usually, if you're new here, welcome. Usually, I do a podcast on Tuesday, or on Monday and Thursdays. Crazy week, so it is being released on a Wednesday. But <clears throat> let's explain what we're doing today because it involves a little bit of math, okay? So here's the problem that I wanted to solve with this week's podcast. Basically, I wanted to figure out if I had the capability of growing all of the wheat that we needed for like a year on our land. I had no way to conceptualize how much wheat we could grow on any given area of land, how much? Flour that a wheat stock would produce how much flour you needed in a loaf of sourdough bread okay so my problem for this week was is it possible to grow all the wheat that you need for one year to make a sourdough loaf of bread each week now the way I did this and Let me explain why I'm interested in this first of all. So last week I researched homesteading and honestly, since then I've been absolutely obsessed with all things homesteading. I'm trying to figure out how we can get closer to homesteading, closer to being self-reliant, which includes things like making your own clothes, making your own bread, growing your own fruits and vegetables. So I've been doing extensive research about how we can grow year round, what kind of greenhouses we might need, what kind of vertical plants or indoor growing systems we might need, because I would really like to be as self-sustaining as possible with produce. So part of the list of homemaking skills that's very important is bread making. And as I was researching how to make a starter and how to make a loaf of bread, I stumbled upon the question like, what if I could grow my own wheat? How much would be needed? Is that even possible? Like, do people even do this? so that is what we're researching today we're going from farm to table with a loaf of bread and going all through the process i'm going to explain how to grow wheat how to harvest it how to grind it up into flour and then how to make a loaf of bread and then i will try to figure out if it's even possible for the land that i'm on to produce enough for that technically i'll just give you a little spoiler technically it is but practically it's not going to work. So I'll explain all that math to you in the podcast, but I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you are interested in homesteading, drop as many tips as you would like to into my DMs, either about growing or any of the skills related to homesteading, any good accounts that I can follow on Instagram, because I am obsessed. Anyway, enjoy the episode. (laughs) So let's figure out what we need to make bread first. So to make bread and sourdough bread in particular, all you need is a sourdough starter and then some flour and water. But to make the starter, all you need is flour and water. So it's very very simple to make. So the main ingredient is flour. To make flour, you need wheat. So let's talk about growing wheat. How do you do it and Is this whole thing even possible to grow enough so how to grow it the planting process for wheat is you know it can be done in multiple ways obviously it's gonna be a little bit different if you have a huge field versus a little hobby farm or you know just a mini like standing raised bed that you're planting in so I'm gonna talk about this as if it's a little hobby farm and you're growing on in the ground as opposed to a raised bed but it'll more or less follow the same pattern so the first step to growing it is you are going to take your area of land that you want and you're going to smooth the soil with a rake then you're going to dig very long trenches in your field and use natural manure to fertilize where you're going to plant these wheat seeds so then as you're walking through the big trenches that you've just dug you throw the wheat seeds in the furrows as they're called using a semicircular movement of your wrist now there's machines to do this if you're planting on a huge area of land but if you just have a smaller area you're just going to throw them like hand throw them in the trenches using a semicircular movement of your wrist okay So during the the dry summer season, and this really depends on where you live, but you may have to water it up to two to three times a day in the very dry summer season. Now, obviously, if you live in a more wet climate, you may not have to do this. You may only have to water once a day, things like that, but you want to make sure it's moist and it's not getting too, too dry throughout the summer season when it's hottest. Now you can also do winter wheat crops. There's a spring wheat and a summer, or a summer wheat and a winter wheat. So you can do winter wheat crops, which are planted in the fall and they're dormant for most of the year and then they grow and get picked in the spring or harvested in the the spring. So winter wheat crops only require water when the seeds are planted to kind of make them, you know, get kicked off on the on the right foot they once you plant them you water them Um, and you may need to water them a little bit in the spring if they look unusually dry it says so if if the land is just really parched and it's an unusually dry spring you might need to water a little bit but for the most part winter wheat crops do not need much water the summer wheat or the spring wheat um, tends to need more water because the big part of the growing season is in the very dry summer so you essentially just water it if you need to and let it grow until uh the kernels at the end or the wheat stems and the kernels turn yellow and you're gonna wanna know that the kernels are dried out before you cut the wheat stems. so a good way that i've seen people talk about testing this is a lot of people just throw a kernel in their mouth and if it's crunchy like if it's dry then it's ready but if it's still chewy right away then it's not ready and it needs to be dried for longer so once you know that they're ready you're going to cut the wheat stems and it also mentions as a side note that you need to fertilize about twice during the growing season so you're going to fertilize the wheat before you plant them but then it's a good idea to also you do another round of fertilizer um, during the growing season just to make sure they're coming up nice and strong big long wheat stalks so that's when you know it's ready to be harvested is when it's completely yellow instead of green and the kernels are dried now to actually harvest it the um It says to rub the wheat head between your fingers and chew on a piece of grain. If the grain cracks in your mouth and becomes soft as you chew, it's ready. Okay. We kind of already mentioned that, but it says cut them, um, like cut the wheat stalks. And this again, depends on the size of your growing area. Because if you have a hundred acre field of wheat, you're going to need some machinery. If you have a little raised bed, you can probably just cut them with scissors. So cut them however you wish, (laughs) but After you cut them, you're going to need to store them for a few weeks in a dry place until they're ready to clean and begin the rest of the harvesting process. You want to make sure that there's absolutely no green left. Sometimes people cut the stalks even when there's just a tiny bit of green left, and you're going to want to dry them out until they have no green at all. So... They're going to need to fully dry completely for a couple of weeks after that initial harvest once you feel that they are dry enough and ready to fully harvest the wheat seeds off of them i've seen a few ways to do this you're going to thrash the uh, wheat and some people say that it's they put it inside of like a cheesecloth or like a linen cloth some people put it inside of a trash can um, but you're just gonna to want to put the stalks into something where none of the seeds will escape and you kind of beat the wheat heads inside the trash can until all the seeds fall out. Once the seeds fall out, you're gonna to want to do something called winnowing the seeds, which means you pour, well, again, there's a couple ways to do this. So some people lay out all the seeds that they have just separated from the stalks and they put them in front of a fan. So they lay them out flat and put them in front of a fan And that way the chaff will blow out of the seeds so you're like in the Bible if you say oh I need to we're gonna separate the chaff from the seeds this is what they're referring to so again some people lay them all flat and put them in front of the fan some people put a fan in front of like a trash can and then start pouring the seeds from one trash can or bin into another bin and as you're pouring the chaff will blow away because of the fan So you need some way of separating that. And then all you have to do from there is store them in an airtight container to keep the moisture and bugs away from your newly harvested wheat seeds. And that is what's going to make your flour. So to make flour, you can process it one of many ways. You can do like a mortar and pestle. You can put it in a coffee grinder. And sometimes the one note that i would make for this is that if you put it in a coffee grinder it sounds like it gets it into a nice flour but it might be a little bit more coarse than you're used to in like store-bought flour because they have super super finely uh, ground flour but a coffee grinder should get it into enough of a flour consistency and fine enough to Be used for baking so it might not look exactly like the store-bought flour but don't not do not fear it can still be used so you can do it in the coffee grinder you can do it in a Vitamix there's specially made flour mills where you can put your wheat seeds in flour mills grind it up and make flour that way so there's a lot of different options here but um, you can try them out and see which one kind of works better for you I feel like a Vitamix or a coffee grinder is the easiest, but some people might want to go old school and do the mortar and pestle route. Okay, so let's talk about how to actually make sourdough bread with your newly created flour that you have homemade on your own. This would be the most satisfying process ever because if you if i grew my own wheat dried it out harvested it made my own flour and then made my own bread and then ate the bread in a sandwich i can't imagine a better feeling that that would be so i'm very much looking forward to doing this when we get our house um okay so here's how we make some bread first of all you're going to need a starter as i mentioned and a starter really just consists of one cup of whole wheat or rye flour and warm water and then you also need unbleached all-purpose flour or bread flour if you would like for feeding now some people use a mix of different flours. some people just um, just use all the same flours. they'll only use rye or they'll only use all-purpose from what i can tell it doesn't really matter you just need uh, flour for feeding and you need some flour to start off the starter so a starter actually takes a decent amount of time to get up and going but then you can perpetuate that starter on for a very very long time like some people have a hundred year old starters that their great great grandma used and it's been passed down in their family and now they make sourdough bread from the same starter that their great great grandma used or created So it's really not that hard to make, it's just you have to be kind of particular about how much of everything you're adding and then have some patience because it's about a week long process to create the starter. So you're going to need those types of flowers and warm water and then a one quart glass jar. So it says, after the initial mix, you will feed your starter white flour, both all-purpose and bread flour work. Just make sure it's unbleached and look for one that has protein content between 11 and 12% for the best results. So you don't want the bleached flour because you're going to be feeding your sourdough starter. And if it's bleached, all of those microorganisms and things will not be in there that are important to creating, creating the yeast and making sure you have a nice rise in your uh, bread. So here are the instructions on making your own sourdough starter. It says on day one, add a cup of flour to a quart jar. Then you mix that one cup of flour with a half cup of warm water in the jar and stir until the flour is moistened and it looks like a thick paste. Now, with all these, you know, feeding a starter or yeah i guess that's it making the starter you want to loosely cover with plastic wrap or you know a mason jar that has the lid you just want to set it on there you don't want to actually screw down the mason jar lid because what it's going to do is the yeast will start you know making these gassy bubbles and the sourdough will eventually start expanding and so if you are tightening the lid of a mason jar or of any sort of jar that you're using you could make what they call a sourdough bomb or a dough bomb, which would cause the mason jar top to explode off and cause quite the mess. So you want to just lightly cover your beginning of the starter um, with plastic wrap and set at room temperature for about 24 hours on day two, you start the first feeding. So you measure out two thirds of a cup of flour or two thirds of a cup of your, you know, paste, that you made the day before and put it into a very big bowl discard the remaining you add another cup of bread flour and a half a cup of warm water into that bowl and stir it well return that mixture to the jar and again cover loosely with plastic wrap for 24 hours so that's your first feeding of your sourdough now eventually you're going to do that weekly but as you're building up this starter you need it to have the right kind of activity level i want to say So it has to be rising to a certain amount before you can actually make bread with it. So from days three to five, you're gonna feed the starter twice a day, every 12 hours. You wanna do this as evenly spaced out as possible every 12 hours. So let's say you do like 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. You're gonna wanna keep it at that schedule for about two to three days. So to uh, to start the feeding process, you're gonna stir the mixture in your jar to release the bubbles measure out a half a cup of your starter you discard the remaining add one cup of bread flour along with a half a cup of warm water stir and return to the jar that's a feeding you're going to do that every 12 hours at this point from days like three to five it should start looking consistently bubbly by the time you're feeding it the next time by day five it should roughly double in size before you feed it so Let's say you do the feeding in the morning you you know add your flour water you mix it you return it to the jar what my family does is and i'm sure a ton of people do they put a rubber band around the mason jar at the level of the starter and then when you come back in 12 hours the size should have doubled so the amount of starter in your jar should be like you know there should be equal amounts on the on the bottom of the rubber band and on the top of the rubber band so once it gets to that point where it's doubling about every 12 hours you know that you are ready to make bread with your starter so again not a crazy process once you know how to feed your starter it's a little bit time consuming because you have to feed it every or twice a day for a few days and it takes about five days to actually get a starter going um but it's really it doesn't seem too too hard to make your own starter so this says for frequent bakers if you are baking your start with your starter more than once a week so let's say you're making two loaves of bread a week you want to keep it at a cool room temperature and feed it once a day um just as it's you know listed above it says so you just want to do that let's see what was it a cup of starter one cup of bread flour and half cup of warm water so you'll just do that once a day if you are baking with it more than once a week now if you're only what they call an occasional baker which is once a week or less you're gonna want to slow the starters growth because you you just feeding it every day to only bake once a week is just kind of a waste so you want to slow the starters growth by storing it in the fridge and it says to prep your starter for cold storage give it a regular feeding so the same exact thing you would do as we listed above and then let it ripen at warm temperature until you see a good amount of activity so for about three to four hours then you move it to the fridge to the refrigerator they said check the starter at least every other day and feed it weekly as instructed making sure to let it ripen at a warm room temperature before you refrigerate again It says a refrigerated starter should smell pleasant and sour and you'll see some bubbles on the surface you should not see watery liquid on the surface or smell any alcohol and they say if you are seeing that if you see liquid you need to start feeding it more frequently to get it back to the right amount of activity so I don't think you need to do that perpetually just until you get it to the point where you're not seeing liquid anymore so that is how you make and maintain a starter so from that starter then you can make a lot of different recipes there's not just you know sourdough loaves of bread there's also sourdough bagels sourdough waffles all these things but you can also make things with that discard so every time you feed your starter you're only taking half a cup of starter to actually make your loaf of bread or to feed it And then you're discarding the rest, which could be you know a decent amount of starter. So a lot of people take that discard and make their make recipes and make food items with that starter instead of turning it into a full sourdough loaf of bread. And that is a really good option. I've had a lot. I've had discard you know waffles and pancakes before, and they are just so good. And it helps reduce the waste of you know you just having to throw away parts of your food another thing that i've heard of is feeding that discard to chickens so the chickens love apparently sourdough discard um, and so you can also give it to them or compost it so um and then for a weekly kind of baking recipe and i'm probably gonna get more into this once i actually start making my own bread but you can mix your starter with water salt and flour until it's very sticky you then let the dough rest you stretch the dough a few times and fold it in on itself you know there's a whole process for how long you let it sit and um, and expand before you bake it so let's just go over quickly a very simple basic sourdough loaf of bread recipe so, to actually make your loaf, I found this recipe on allrecipes.com. It just says, like, how to make sourdough bread is a very basic recipe and should give us the framework for how to actually, like, what times we need to let it rest and sit and what times we need to kind of work the dough. So, the first thing is, again, you're gonna feed your starter. It's always gonna start out with feeding your starter. It says, pour off about half of the starter and feed it with equal parts, flour and water, whisk it until it's lump free, and then let the rest and then let it rest in a warm spot until it doubles in size, like we mentioned. So you want to get it, your starter to the point that it's doubling in size and then you're good to go. But before you do a single loaf of bread, you need to feed it again, have it double in size. Okay. Then it says you need to mix the dough for the actual loaf of bread it says using your happy active well-fed starter mix it with water salt and flour the dough will be very sticky and you might want to use wet hands when you're handling the dough because otherwise it's gonna stick all over you now an important thing is I've heard this in, and I've read this in almost every single sourdough recipe I've looked up is that you want to use a scale as opposed to measuring cups when you measure in your flour because flour can be compressed a lot and so you'd get a lot more flour than you need to you want to just have a scale so you're getting an exact measurement of how much flour you're using for your bread so you're going to want to weigh your ingredients so once your dough is made you're going to let the dough rest it says this jump starts gluten development it makes the bread easier to handle plus strong gluten means great tasting and textured bread this is when the flour absorbs the water and fully hydrates developing the gluten form and enzymes break the starches down into simple sugars so this you can rest it from anywhere from 30 minutes to four hours depending on your recipe and technique I've heard most commonly I believe four hours so um. Okay. Then it says the fourth step is to give it a tuck. It says you're supposed to fold not knead your dough. You simply fold over the dough. You fold the dough over on itself a few times. You don't want to work it too much so that the, you know, air goes out and things, but you want to just fold it over on itself a couple of times till it's looking like a nice smooth loaf on the top. okay then they have like a pro tip here it says some folks like a tight crumb when the bread is fairly dense and others like an open crumb my oh this guy this lady says my hubby likes his bread dense but i like it light um it says the stronger your gluten development the more co2 your bread can trap and the more air bubbles will appear in your bread there's a fine line between a good amount of air bubbles and having so many that all of your filling seeps out of your bread okay so I believe that's referring to the wait time. So the less you let it sit, the denser it'll be. And the longer you let it sit, the more airy it will be. So that you can just let it sit based on personal preference. Okay. Then you shape the dough. It says if you're making smaller loaves, lightly dust your work surface with flour and cut the dough in half with a bench scraper or knife. If are making a large one, you can just place all the dough at once on the um surface fold the dough over towards the center and basically you're just making it into a nice dough like loaf shape by folding it over on itself again it says flip the dough over and place it smooth side down in your prepared proofing basket which that's like the kind of wooden basket you see with linen covering it um basically you start shaping it in the proofing basket and then you let it rise it says the long rise or bulk fermentation is where the magic happens this helps develop flavor structure and texture in your sourdough some folks like to leave their dough in a warm spot covered with plastic wrap and a clean towel for 3 to 12 hours so this is what my family does they let it sit overnight so for about 12 hours and let it rise for an extremely long time and then the part that we've all been waiting for it's baking time so you're going to want to bake it in a closed lid pot so something like a dutch oven will keep it nice and moist and humid um to make sure it gets a good rise and then a nice crust on the outside so it says make sure to let your dutch oven and lid preheat in the oven for about 30 minutes before baking then you transfer your loaf on parchment paper into the dutch oven and let it bake now bake it covered for about 20 to 25 minutes and then you're going to remove the lid to release the extra steam and then continue to bake it for about 10 to 15 minutes to develop the nice crust on the sourdough loaf. Now, I guess the amount that you bake it uncovered really goes with your preference of how crunchy and thick you want the crust on the sourdough. If you like it a little bit lighter, go 10 to 15 minutes. If you like it a little darker, go like 20 to 25. And then when you're satisfied with the crust, you can go ahead and take it out of the oven let it cool and eat your sourdough also an important note that i don't think was on here oh it does mention it but just in a in a tip but you're going to want to score the surface of your dough before you bake it and before you transfer it um, into the dutch oven so what scoring does is it's it's where you basically cut decorative things into the top it can be as simple or as ornate as you want but it allows for the dough to expand and if you don't have deep enough scores in the top of your bread you may have a pretty kind of deflated looking loaf of sourdough because it just doesn't have uh, it has too much surface tension you know to actually fully expand so you want to have a few deep scores so it'll rise to its full potential and that is how you make sourdough so i'm really interested in the process i'm gonna definitely start making it once i move into the new house um because as you can see like it doesn't seem that hard it's just pretty time consuming like a lot of it's a wait time like you know just waiting um but you still have to kind of be babysitting it a little bit and there's some definite work involved but it's only a few ingredients it's not technically that difficult so i'm excited to make my own sourdough bread but let's get to the question of if you can grow enough wheat to make one of these sourdough loaves every week for a year okay so first the the first thing i need to figure out is how much land makes how much wheat like what unit of land makes what unit of wheat so i started out my research just saying how much does one acre How much wheat can you grow on one acre of land the average is 37.1 bushels of wheat per acre of land now I had no idea what a bushel of wheat entailed but a bushel of wheat is about 1 million kernels or about 42 pounds of flour so one acre corresponds to about 42 pounds of flour but then the question arises well how many pounds of flour do you need to make one loaf of bread so i'm excluding the amount of flour that you need to make the starter because technically you can just take the discard of someone else's starter feed it and now hey it's your own starter so that might be honestly what i end up doing when i start making my sourdough so you can do this with a lot less flour if you're not making your own starter from scratch so the way i calculated one loaf of bread the flour you need for one loaf is 113 grams for to feed your starter and then for a lot of recipes I have seen you add 500 grams of flour per loaf of bread so you need about 615 grams of flour for one loaf of bread which includes the starter feed and then the actual recipe for the loaf of bread and that together equals about 1.32 pounds of flour per loaf of bread so here's what we know we know that one acre which is 43,560 square feet makes 37.1 bushels of wheat uh, in one growing season well 37.1 bushels of wheat it, you know you multiply that by 42 pounds because one bushel is 42 pounds and you get that one acre makes about 1,558 pounds of flour and then you also know that one loaf of bread takes 1.32 pounds of flour so the math problem that we're solving here uh, is basically for one loaf of bread a year I mean for one loaf of bread each week for a year you need 69 pounds of flour because it's 1.32 times 52 weeks okay so we need 69 pounds of flour how many square feet would it take to to grow that and I'll save you all that math and fractions and stuff but basically what I figured out is you need 1,930 square feet of wheat growing area to make one sourdough loaf of bread per week for a year which seems like a ton Um, it technically is just 44 feet by 44 feet growing area um which doesn't actually sound that big but it's way too big to have at our house in our backyard so it's just not going to be practical to actually do that much growing of wheat but what i do want to do is just do a subsection of that and maybe make a loaf or two with the wheat that i've grown so that i can practice growing it harvesting it grinding it into flour and then making our sourdough and then i'll just definitely supplement um, with the store-bought flour so um, that is the process and that is the math involved for seeing how much we need to grow uh, I'm a little bit bummed I wish we could grow that much on our land but it is just not practical um, you can grow both spring and or like summer and winter wheat but it seems very hard to do that to kind of transition in the right amount of time and so I think we're just gonna stick with with growing just a little bit of the summer spring wheat Um, and then making whatever we can with that so I hope you enjoyed this episode I hope you enjoyed these farm to table um, podcasts I'm going to do some more about things like canning and dehydrating vegetables pickling vegetables things like that because again I'm just very very interested in all these homesteading skills so that's all for this week's episode and thank you all for listening bye everyone